0: It's the first Monday of the month. Questions from you, thoughts, and ideas from us. This is Coaching for Leaders, episode 359. Produced
1: by Innovate Learning, Maximizing Human Potential.
0: Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahofiak. Leaders aren't born, they're made. And this weekly show gives you access to the practical wisdom that will empower you to become a better leader. The first Monday of every month, we open up the show to your questions that we've been collecting over the last couple of months. If you have a question that you'd like us to consider for future Q&A episode, you can get that question to us for consideration by going over to coachingforleaders.com feedback. That is the very best way to get it into us. And as I am every month, I'm joined by Bonnie Stoviak to help tackle some of these questions. Hello, Bonnie.
1: Hello, Dave. Thanks for inviting me back again.
0: I uh, I think based on the feedback I receive about you, you pretty much have a lifetime role in this job. <laughs>
1: I think you're good. <laughs> I think you told me I have a break coming up, though, that you have someone else you're going to maybe invite on to answer some specific questions, but I'm always happy to help when I can.
0: I do recall us having that conversation, and now I can't remember <laughs>
1: who career it was.
0: Career questions. Oh, yeah. We were getting a lot of career questions, and so uh, we might invite one of our career career experts, and I do have someone in mind, but I haven't talked to them yet. So I probably talked to them (laughs) first before before I announce it and they hear it on the the show here. Well, uh, okay, we do have a bunch of questions here. And our first question comes in this month from Emily.
1: Emily writes, Hey, Dave. Actually, she said, hi, Dave. (laughs) I've recently come across your podcast and absolutely love it. Thank you very much, Emily. I do find that I'm a little overwhelmed on wanting to improve about everything you talk about all at once. If there's any advice you can offer, perhaps on one of your monthly Q&As, that would be great.
0: Emily, thank you so much for the kind words. Glad to know you. So, I have gotten a a little bit of feedback over the years, not so much recently, from uh, folks who have written in and said, hey, I'd really love it if you would summarize at the end of episodes and interviews, what is the most important point or the most important two or three points so I can can really take that away. And I have resisted doing that for a few reasons. But probably the biggest one is we have a really smart, well-educated, influential audience who listens to the show. And I don't see it as my role to tell you what you should take away from the conversations, the um, feedback, the interviews we have on the show. I think that there are going to be times where you'll listen to this show and there may be 80 or 90% of the things that you hear in a conversation that are not valuable to you for whatever reason, either in that moment or not relevant to you. But there may be that 5 or 10% that is the very thing that you, if you act on, is going to help you to benefit from. So Emily, the lens that I listen to the show with when I listen to it when it airs, uh, which I always do, is I am thinking, what is one thing that I can take away from this conversation that is going to be something I can put into action almost immediately today or this week. And I then work to set aside everything else that I've heard in that conversation. And perhaps I'll come back to it later, perhaps I'll come back when it's relevant, but I really focus on zeroing in on that one thing. The challenge is that one thing is different for everybody, and that one thing may not be the thing you thought you were going to hear when you listened to the episode. And I've had many times where people have written in and said, "Hey, the you know, this person didn't necessarily resonate with me or maybe I didn't even like their style, but I did hear one thing that really helped me to learn and to grow." And so I would look for that for every episode you hear is what's the one thing that if I do is going to likely help me to become a more effective leader and then set everything else aside. And if you did that every week that you listen to the show, you're going to be doing things differently hopefully better, but at the very least, you're going to try a whole bunch over the course of a year and you're going to get feedback, uh, good or bad, that's going to then help you to take the next step the next week or in the next conversation. So I, I at a minimum, I challenge you and anyone else to do that. Now, if you want to do this a little bit more strategically, A good starting point is episode 337. Morton Hansen was on the show talking about six tactics to achieve extraordinary performance. I thought a lot about that episode in the last few months since he was on because what he talked about in that episode is how to create learning loops for yourself in order to get better at changing your behavior to improve skill. And one of the challenges he had for us in that conversation is to identify what's a behavior you want to change. So Emily, that may come out from a conversation you hear in an episode of one thing you want to do differently, but it may also be something else that's important to you in your professional development right now. And the episode just inspires you to try something differently or gives you a new tactic to try it. But zero in on one behavior you want to change. And set that as your focus point for that week, that month, maybe that quarter, whatever time frame is going to be appropriate for you. And one of the things he challenged us to do is to find a way to move on that behavior in five minutes a day. Those five minutes seems really small, but if done intentionally each day is going to help you to start to get some sort of feedback pretty quickly on the behavior change. And then one of the key parts, he said, is to get feedback. If you get feedback from others in some meaningful way, that is going to help you then to determine are you on the right track or is there something different you can try? And as I tell our academy members all the time, movement is something I think a lot about and I'm always encouraging our listeners and members of our academy to do, because even if you're moving in the wrong direction, you're going to get feedback, you're going to learn from that, then you can change course. But getting some sort of regular feedback on a behavior change you're making, either by asking for it, doing a small survey, using like Marshall Goldsmith's feed-forward model, which I think I'll talk about later on, um, is going to help you to then determine what's the next step for you. And if you really want to dive in, Emily, and be very intentional about utilizing your skill set and the things you're learning here on the podcast, then I'd certainly recommend checking out the Academy as well, because we do this consistently in all of our sessions. And if you're interested in learning more, go over to coachingforleaders.com slash Academy. There'll be more information about there for our next applications coming up. But I think if you, at a minimum, focus on one thing from every episode, that is going to help you to really get the most benefit from listening each week.
1: Emily, I read your note and had a little bit of a different perspective in terms of, I just wanted to congratulate you. <laughs> it might seem overwhelming, but sometimes overwhelm can be a positive symptom of having tapped into a really good source for you for your own learning and growth. And Dave didn't necessarily mention this part, but how, how long has your podcast been going, Dave?
0: Uh, let's see, 2011. So we're seven years.
1: So there's a lot out there and it's so fun it can be just invigorating to be connected with a new network of other individuals that are interested in similar things that you are, I think it's a good sign. I think it's a good sign that you love it. I think it's a good sign that you're overwhelmed. If you weren't overwhelmed, then it probably wouldn't be a very good source for you because it probably wouldn't challenge you or stretch you to think in new ways. So I just wanted to say congratulations and a little bit welcome to the club because I feel like that not necessarily when I listen as much to coaching for leaders, but I have a podcast called Teaching in Higher Ed, and that's the sort of the world that I swim in. (laughs) And I'm overwhelmed constantly. I'm just talking to these people that are doing these amazing things in their classes. And I I constantly feel like I'm behind and I can't even conceptualize how I could use this in my own teaching. There are other times when I feel a perfect fit, but it's kind of, it's just constantly stretching me. And then it's interesting how, if you're patient enough to just say, wow, that's really challenging for me to think about and try to wrap my head around it starts to add up to a real body of knowledge, sometimes without you even realizing it until something comes up and then you realize, oh my gosh, that reminds me of something that I heard. And now I'm starting to see how all of these things actually fit into a broader theme of my own philosophy of leadership and what I believe and what I think works and what the research says works. And we're talking about really complex systems and complex beings, human beings in this case. I mean, it's it's an exciting thing to be engaged in. I just congratulate you and I hope you'll be in touch and let us know after you've been listening for another six months or so what's been going on in your mind and how that's stretching your own thinking about leadership.
0: Our next question comes in from Bartel. Bartel wrote in and asked, what do you do if your boss keeps stealing your ideas? Uh, Bonnie, this is not the first time we have heard this question over the years. What do you suggest?
1: I remember seeing Bartel write to us on Twitter. And it sounded certainly like a frustrating situation. One of the things that I have found helpful is to contrast a couple of mindsets. And these mindsets were described by Stephen Covey, a wonderful leadership thinker and author. He talked about scarcity mindset and the abundance mindset mindset. And the scarcity mindset says that we all need to come up with our, in this particular case, this example, you know, we have to come up with our ideas. They're our ideas. We need to hold on to them. They belong to us. They give us value as people, as workers, as contributors to a workplace. And that if we share them with others and then others take credit for them, then we've lost something. We, you know, we've lost a part of our own credibility, sense of worth, that would be scarcity thinking, scarcity mindset. And an abundance mindset would be that we are each part of a broader system. We are each part of contributing into a whole circle of ideas or a or a no, circle's too formal, a, a gaggle, a uh, <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: um, a gaggle? A gaggle. of. You better get that on the quote graphic for this episode, a gaggle of ideas. <laughs> oh, my goodness. A, um, a network of ideas, right? So we're contributing, but others are contributing too, and our ideas are being shaped and formed, and how exciting it can be to be part of a culture, part of a team that is able to recognize how when we come together, we're so much more than the sum of our parts. Now that all sounds wonderful. (laughs) Wow, Uh, I will not say I'm always able to live in the abundance mindset because sometimes we're working in cultures that are larger than, in fact, all times, we are working in cultures that are larger than we are. We are part of a complex system, each of us, and sometimes the entire system is polluted with a scarcity mindset most of our compensation systems most hiring most promotions it's it's almost all wrapped around this scarcity mindset that you know somebody's higher up than me somebody makes more than me somebody has more power than me someone has more influence than me so it's really hard to stop that game because that game is programmed into us. And D- Dave, there's that famous quote about the system. When you push against it, it pushes right back. And every time I forget what it is, and you always remember.
0: Oh, is, is it the, if you put a good person in a bad system, the system's going to win every time?
1: Mm, it could be. It could be. I, yeah. I remember the system pushing back too, that the system is stronger than each one of us as individuals. So it's hard to rise above it. I don't always do that. I will say I've been very inspired by the book by Peter Block, who wrote The Empowered Manager. And it's just a wonderful book to challenge our thinking because he, he describes this contrast between a dependent mindset as an employee and an interdependent. And it's just a beautiful thinking that it, it empowers us. That's why it's called The Empowered Manager, but that we're able to not fall victim to thinking that we're dependent on this workplace for our sense of value, our sense of rewards, our sense of worth. And it's it's a great one for me to help me be able to rise above it. But I struggle with it too. I don't want to sound like I have this all figured out and I'm perfect at it. On my great days, I have an abundant mindset. My ideas are not mine. It's fun to contribute them to some larger goal, some larger vision and aim that's meaningful to me. And when I'm able to do that, I am at my best.
0: I feel a bit inadequate of even adding into this question, Bonnie, and it's interesting that this question came from a man because this is a question we often hear from women in organizations where an idea has been posed and all of a sudden a man jumps in and has run with the idea or taken credit for the idea. And again, I don't mean to say that that's every situation, but a lot of times we've heard that feedback. And I, I think one of the things that's really helpful, and I have found myself in the situation as well too, is to... Name it when it happens. I don't mean name it inside the organization necessarily, but to recognize uh, in yourself when you're in that situation and you're feeling like you're in a more scarcity mindset or in a scarcity culture, like Bonnie was mentioning. um, I can think of a situation right now with another organization where, because of the dynamics and the culture, I am absolutely. Um, operating in a scarcity mindset, whereas normally I operate in an abundance mindset, because if I operate in an abundance mindset in this situation, I'm probably going to get taken advantage of. And so I have tactically made a decision to do some things a little more scarcity than I would in lots of other situations. I don't like that, but that's just the reality of the way it is. And so I think that to this question, when you see it happening is to be mindful of who are the people in the organizations where this is the case. The other thing that I found to be helpful too in some of these situations is to separate ideas from results. Where this has helped me, and the entrepreneurial folks have really inspired me on this. Uh, Dori Clark, when she was on the show talking about ideas that we can steal from entrepreneurs, uh, one of the things I hear a lot from people like her and others in the entrepreneurial community is... People who are doing a lot of the ideas and creating new things, they say, you know, we don't really worry that much about the ideas and sharing ideas and even talking about our ideas in the public space, because at the end of the day, it's really about who can execute on the ideas. And I have found in some situations that when this has happened to me, that someone gets the good idea or, or I've I've suggested something and then someone else takes credit for it, is it's easy for someone to take credit for an idea. It's a little harder for someone to take credit for results and execution. And so there may be a great idea out there, but a great idea needs to be followed by great execution and actually making that idea come to reality within the organization. So if you're in a place where you're finding that people are stealing ideas and (laughs) shopping them around all day long, um, be mindful of that, be present of that, of course, as I mentioned, and you may need to... Play with that scarcity mindset a bit and be conscious of that tactically, but then take the idea that you've suggested or maybe has emerged in the organization and then do something with it. Be the person that moves on it, that is known to execute and to get results and maybe even exceed results that the organization has received before because a great way to get visibility in the organization is to solve a problem. And I know that this is not and it's not going to work perfectly in every situation but i think that for me it's been a helpful thing that's helped me to move forward at a time when you know everyone else is sitting around talking about whose idea is best is to be able to demonstrate some results so bartelli i hope that's helpful to you in in some way and i'd really love to hear what uh, you found useful from from our response
1: the next question comes from colin He writes, I work for a government agency in a senior technical role surrounded by mostly legal professionals. I've never directly supervised any staff, but have indirectly supervised external operations such as contractors. Over the past year, I've expressed my interest in joining the prestigious senior leadership development program at the development level I work for. I recently found out that my group has opted to not participate for the second year in a row. While I think I'd be competitive for it, it's all moot now. Opportunities to do leadership development training or special projects are pretty scarce and perceived as not a good use of time. Given this scenario, other than books and podcasts, what other ideas or thoughts do you have about how to maintain a growth-oriented development plan without expending a lot of external time away from family?
0: Well, Colin, I'm bummed for you uh, based on what you've shared about the situation. Thank you for sending in this question. I'm going to respond to this in two ways. First, not the question you're asking, uh, because your question makes me think of a question that comes up a lot uh, that I receive from others. So I want to say something about that, which is, how do I get support and funding from my organization when I really want to do something? Maybe it's leadership development, maybe it's going to a conference, maybe it's something else. And then secondly, I'll answer your question specifically in your case, because I, I don't think that's necessarily the path forward for you just because of what you've mentioned here in this question. So first, what you've articulated, I think, is not what happens most of the time when I'm talking with clients, potential clients, folks who have reached out just for advice on how to seek funding the organization. Most of the time, it's not necessarily an all or nothing. We're an organization that either supports people all the time on whatever they want to do or that they've said, we're never going to support any kind of external Professional development, conferences, anything like that. Usually there's some middle point there. And the concern I often hear is hey, I know other people are getting supported to get coaching, to go to training, to go to conferences. And for whatever reason, I'm not, or I haven't had as much success as others, or the, I know the funding's there, but I'm not able to get access to it for whatever reason. How can I get funding and support? So I have a few thoughts for those of you who are in that situation. Um, first of all, I think the mistake that I often see being made is that the person who's requesting funding, support, uh, whatever the situation is, is often thinking about it only from their perspective. And they articulate a case to the organization that only is centered on how they benefit personally and how their career benefits personally or their excitement level about doing something. I think that's a good thing to include in your request. But I think the request should be leading with how does the investment that the org, you're asking the organization to make or your manager to make come back to likely benefit that organization? Now, it may be apparent, but I think a lot of times it's not necessarily apparent, even if it's apparent in your mind. And so it's incumbent upon each one of us, if we're asking someone else to spend money or resources on our behalf, to... Um, to spend some time thinking about how is that likely going to bring value back to the organization and map it out if you need to, and even set targets for yourself. Hey, I'm going to this conference to learn about this new skill set, and here's how I'm going to bring that value back to the organization and how I expect to do that over the next 60 days, 90 days, whatever the time frame is. It may not happen exactly that way, but having a plan for that demonstrates to the person or persons who are going to approve that request that you've thought through how this is a win-win both for you and for the organization i think the other thing to do is to start that conversation early Uh, if the registration is due for the conference on friday thursday is not the day to start this conversation start the conversation months in advance Um, you know be having Conversation about what kind of professional development you think is going to support you in order to be more effective for your organization over the next year, three years, five years. Link that in with your professional development reports, the feedback you've already been receiving from your management team, the strategic objectives of the organization. And then, if you can, and I think almost always you can, find data from third parties that are going to support the request you're making. So if other people, and you're especially if your competitors, um, other people in the industry are making the investment in conferences like this and going to training like this, that's information that I think in most industries is pretty easy to access, or even informally going around and talking to some folks in your network. If you can find third-party data that also supports the investment being made, that makes your request stronger too. If you do those things, think you're a lot more likely to be able to um, get support and funding from your organization to do some of these activities, whether they're internal or external. So I have a member cast that I'm also going to put a link to in the notes um, for your your benefit, maybe, Colin, but more so for others who are having this, uh, having this question on how to actually go through the process to um, land professional development funding. Now, to your question specifically, Colin, because I don't think this is the case for you. You've said, you know your organization isn't supportive of this. Colin actually sent some more information uh, outside of this question that said you know, the, the, the boss just isn't supportive of doing anything hardly. So if you're in that case, and anyone else who is, I think there's a few things you can do to approach this. One is I look through your professional development reports, the feedback you've received previously. Maybe uh, those things are in writing. Maybe they're just things you've been hearing from your colleagues and from leadership in the organization about where you can improve. And you may do what we were talking about earlier is go back and set up some learning loops for yourself. Episode three thirty seven is a really good framework for that. But figure out what are what's a behavior or behaviors you want to change, and start going through that process to do that for yourself. If you have some funding personally that you could make an investment in yourself, and maybe this means you you know you set aside some funding in other places where you're buying books or buying other resources, hire a coach to do an assessment. One of my favorite assessments that I've used over the years is fairly inexpensive. It's called the Lifestyles Inventory from an organization called Human Synergistics. You can use it yourself. You can potentially hire a coach to use it with you. It'll give you some feedback on what you're doing, both on your tasks and also on your people skills. That'll give you probably two or three things right away that if you will um, you know, get that data, it's going to help you to figure out, okay, what are one or two things that I can do that's going to really affect positive change. Then, Once you've figured out what those things are, however you do it, either through a coach or assessments or maybe thinking about feedback from others, is you may still read the books and listen to the podcasts like this, but to take the mindset of being a producer versus a consumer, and some of you have heard me say this before, over 80% of the people who listen to the show tell us on surveys that they either listen to all or most of the episodes of this podcast, which I'm hugely grateful for. So thank you if, that, if that's you. But that doesn't mean you have to do it that way. The other way you can do it is to be a producer and to think about what is the episodes you could listen to that are going to be most important to you based on the behaviors you're trying to change. So if you've got that list of two to three things... You can go into the podcast library and find the most relevant episodes and send me a message if I can help to find the most relevant episodes and listen to the two or three that are going to really help you to affect that behavior change and focus there. That will help you to really get ideas and practice that's going to help you then to implement those. And then go practice it. Go utilize what you're learning, that behavior change that Morton Hansen talks about And if you're able to do it in your organization, great. But if you're not able to do it in your organization, go find other places to do it. Volunteer to serve on a board. Coach a kid's uh, sports team. I assure you, you will find tons of opportunities to apply and use leadership skills in volunteer and in sports. You can use those opportunities in addition to serving the broader community as a training ground for you in improving your skills as a leader as well. Because if you can do it well in one of those venues, you're learning and getting feedback to do it well other places too. And I mentioned earlier, I was going to say something about Marshall Goldsmith's feed-forward model. I love his model. I'll put a link to it in the show notes of, rather than trying to rehash the past when you're in those situations where you're practicing and you're doing something of asking the question, what's one thing, uh, here's something I'm working on and telling people, hey, I'm working on becoming a better meeting manager. What's one thing that I could do in the next meeting that'll help me be even more effective? So it's very forward-looking. And if you'll ask that question pretty regularly as you're working on those and practicing them, I think it's going to help you to move quickly. In your learning, and to get results that will really make a difference in your professional development, whether your organization is supportive of it or not. As always, past episodes related to today's questions you can find on the show notes, and those include episode 318, Ideas Worth Stealing from Top Entrepreneurs. Dory Clark was on the show last year talking about the things entrepreneurs are doing right now in the online space and also in the traditional space to create and generate new ideas. And most importantly for many of us in this community, what can we do to steal some of those ideas to become more entrepreneurial inside of our organizations or even entrepreneurial, is the word as many people are using these days. If you're looking for ideas on how to generate new ideas Episode 318, definitely worth checking out. I'd also recommend episode 328, How to Deal with Opponents and Adversaries. Peter Block was on that episode. Bonnie mentioned his book earlier in this conversation, uh, his book called The Empowered Manager. In that episode, Peter and I talked about organizational politics. And If you find yourself dealing with a lot of difficult organizational politics right now and trying to figure out how you can influence effectively, especially with those who are opponents of yours, adversaries in the organization, highly recommend episode 328 for a framework on how to begin to find the answers or at least begin to work toward the answers for you in influencing more effectively. And then, as I mentioned earlier, episode 337, Six Tactics to Achieve Extraordinary Performance. Morton Hansen was on that episode talking about learning loops and how you can use learning loops from his research in order to affect behavior change for you and your professional development. I mentioned that in response to Emily's question and Colin's question. I highly recommend checking that out if you're looking for a framework that's really grounded in the research. And then also, finally, member cast number seven, I mentioned this earlier, seven steps to landing professional development funding. If you are at the place right now where you are seeking funding or support from your organization and you're not quite sure what to say, or maybe you've asked before and you haven't gotten the result you wanted, member cast seven, absolutely the one to listen to. It's an entire episode for me on the strategies I've seen work f- with clients over the past 15 years or so, being in the training industry and coaching industry, of getting support from. Your organization. Check that out again. That's member cast number seven. And you can access all of those past episodes just by going to the coachingforleaders.com website and setting up your free membership. When you do, you're going to be able to access the episode library that's fully searchable by topic. That's a great way to be that producer I was talking about earlier and to find the episodes that are going to be most relevant to you. You'll also get access to my free 10 day audio course. 10 Ways to Empower the People You Lead, the weekly leadership guide, the member cast, the book notes for every interview that I do, all kinds of stuff that's there in that free membership. You can activate it by going over to coachingforleaders.com and setting it up. Thank you so much to David Hackler here in the States, Zach Moose, and my man Mark down in Australia. Thank you, Mark and also RT Highbode in Canada for the kind reviews that you all left on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much. I read all of those. They're super helpful to me. I love getting the feedback. If you'd like to leave a rating or review for the show, go over to coachingforleaders.com slash Apple. That's the best way to do it on the Apple platform. Hey, if you're an Overcast user and the episode was helpful today, just hit the star button on the app to help recommend it to other Overcast users. Thank you in advance if you do either. And I'll see you next week for our next regular episode. If you have a question you'd like to submit for a future Q&A show, go to coachingforleaders.com slash feedback and see you next Monday. Take care.